0: This episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge is sponsored by the Global Connected Aircraft Summit, the premier event in aerospace connectivity. Visit GCASummit.com to
1: learn more. That's GCASummit.com. When I was thinking about how to open today's show, it dawned on me how three little numbers, more than any others, will shape today's discussion. Those little numbers are 8, 9,
0: and 11. What happened to 10?
1: I'm afraid 10 didn't make the cut. Not that we have anything against 10, but as we learned from Spinal Tap, 11 is one more. Okay, so what are we talking about here? Eight is the percentage operating profit margin for United Airlines in the fourth quarter of 2017. Nine percent is the operating profit margin for American Airlines. And Delta's margin, you guessed it, a cool 11%. And in this episode, we're going to talk a lot about how those airlines wound up with eight, nine, and 11, and what it all means. I'm Jason Cottrell, Vice President of Airline Weekly. And I'm Seth Kaplan, Managing Partner. Of Airline Weekly. Besides the big three U.S. carriers, we're going to talk about Southwest, JetBlue, Alaska, Allegiant, and others as the U.S. earnings picture has achieved clarity, at least for 2017. It's all coming up now, and it's all happening in the Airline Weekly Lounge. We're starting the show looking at Q4 results from United, Delta, and American Airlines. Bringing up the rear was United with an 8% operating profit margin, but American only had a 9% margin. Seth, are these two carriers pretty much in the same boat? Well, I guess almost by definition,
0: yeah, right? I mean, as you said, just a point apart. uh, If you look at the fractions, actually separated by a bit more than a point, obviously not a dramatic difference there. But in terms of the trajectory, uh, the trend is certainly worse at United. If, if you go back to uh, the fourth quarter of a year earlier, 2016, United was actually fractionally ahead of American. Both of them kind of right between 10 and a half and 11 percent. So United fell farther. Uh, than American uh, did in in that period. Uh, Delta, by the way, actually was up slightly, although there were some uh, um, some one time quirks related to 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 that fact.
1: As you indicated, year over year, both United and American saw margins decline. That was due to rising fuel and labor costs, but United, rather uniquely, had trouble making up the costs by raising revenues. United's management blamed their revenue troubles on competition from LCCs. Seth, are they right about that?
0: Uh, Well, uh, yeah, look, they've said United has... Over the years, sort of ceded ground to ultra LCCs more uh, than have American and Delta ultra LCCs in particular and LCCs uh, in general. Yeah, you know the, the figure they gave was uh, that United downsized its its uh, hub capacity by eight percent from 2011 through 2016, uh, while while American and, and United actually were were American and Delta rather were actually expanding during that time. And so United says rivals, all rivals, not not just low cost carriers grew their seat capacity 22% in United's hubs during that same 5 year period compared to just 13% in american hubs and, and 11% in delta hubs so about half the rate of growth yeah you know it, it uh makes a compelling case and and um uh yeah sure enough uh united's revenues grew just four percent in in the fourth quarter compared to a year earlier, which which roughly matched its capacity growth. Yeah, you know, compare that to American grew revenues eight uh, percent on just on just three percent more available seat mile capacity. Uh, Delta also grew eight percent in its case on just two percent more available uh, seat miles. So uh, yeah, a, a tepid revenue growth uh, for United, uh, just keeping pace with its capacity growth, whereas its rivals managed to grow
1: revenue in excess of their capacity growth. And what was behind Americans' better revenue performance?
0: Look, uh, its its markets are, are doing well. I mean, one thing is that Latin America, uh, much of it anyway, has, has really rebounded. Double digit growth uh, throughout much of the region, not Brazil, but you know Mexico, uh, the Caribbean. Uh, double digit growth, um, and uh, your premium demand is doing really well. Transatlantic markets very important for American, uh, doing uh, extraordinarily well. You know London, a very strong market. Uh, American has less exposure to Asia uh, than United does, um, and and you know Asia, uh, although things have improved somewhat more problematic than the transatlantic and so you know United is, is just a more Pacific facing airline uh, than is uh, than is American. Um, so yeah, just just a combination uh, mostly of of its uh, of its market exposure and of course we all know some of the things that United did uh, during the year you know, rolling out basic economy too aggressively perhaps and, and and those sorts of things which which also didn't help it.
1: And what is United doing to correct this situation? I know they announced some growth plans that upset Wall Street a little bit.
0: A little bit, huh? <laughs> it's uh, Wall Street went nuts um, when United said it was going to start growing somewhat more aggressively. You know, I mean, compared to what we've seen in recent years, certainly when you got a legacy airline saying it's going to grow, you know, four or five, six percent, that sounds like a lot to investors. United says, look, uh, you know, not all growth is created equal. This is this is very efficient growth, uh, and 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 from United's perspective, it feels like it's just uh, just trying to. Kind of reclaim its what it considers its natural share. I, I said before, you know, American and, and, and Delta have have just grown more than United in recent years, and United says, "Hey, we're just not doing enough from our hubs in terms of, for example, serving small cities to uh, to properly feed uh, the flights around the world." And so, uh, so they're doing that. They're adding all kinds of flights to smaller and medium sized cities, and they're also doing some things that that um, you know rather interestingly uh, are. Uh, going against the grain, uh, kind of. I think we wrote in the newsletter, uh, you know, maybe not ripping up the playbook from uh, from from the past decade, but but certainly editing it. You know, if we think of some of the things that U.S. airlines have done uh, over the past decade or so to to help themselves to help their fortunes, things like day of week and seasonal scheduling, you know, very precisely matching capacity with demand. United kind of thinks some of that has gone too far uh they say yeah there are revenue benefits when you do that but the cost penalties are in their view perhaps uh more than anybody understood and and so they're going to sort of flatten that out a bit again and say yeah you know we'll, we'll we're willing to take a little bit of the revenue hit by operating that uh, Tuesday or Wednesday flight that maybe would have canceled before if it means not having to tolerate the cost impact uh of of uh of not operating the flight the unit cost impact that is uh the example they gave is uh you know when you cancel uh your Tuesday and Wednesday flights uh from from Sao Paulo and and you have an airplane and and uh uh and a full crew stuck down there in hotels for you know an extra couple of days waiting for the Thursday flight, very expensive. Um, now everybody knows that, obviously, uh, uh, that that costs money. But the prevailing thinking has been, hey, you know, deal with that um, rather than take the unit revenue hit. United is kind of flipping that around again, getting back into fifty seat jets. Also, another thing, you know, those, those have been toxic. I mean, it would like to fly bigger RJs, but um, you know, for now, if it can't get the scope relief from its pilots. Uh, to fly larger regional jets, it'll it'll fly those fifty seaters. So yeah, a lot of counterintuitive things, um, that or things that at least have become counterintuitive that are they're more like how airlines used to do things uh on the surface. Um, but United feels like this all makes uh perfect sense and and that in the end, hey Jason, uh look, when you cut capacity, you always push up Unit revenues, right? That's why Wall Street is so obsessed with capacity cuts. They like that, but guess what? You also push up unit costs when you grow. You tend to put downward pressure on unit revenues. That's bad, but you also put downward pressure on unit costs. So uh, you know it's not as if cutting capacity is some kind of uh, magic bullet. Um, yeah, it helps your revenues, but it hurts your cost. United feels like uh, a little more growth and a very specific kind of growth is actually going to do more to whack unit costs. Uh, Than it's going to do to sort of unhelpfully also uh, depress unit revenues.
1: And lastly, what's your outlook for America's big three in 2018? Will Delta remain the leader here? Will United at least catch American? Tell me what.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Delta has a has a uh, clearly a a good head start here. You you know, hard to imagine considering how much. I mean, if you if you look at the fourth quarter, uh, you know, they they've already earned. A few hundred million dollars more in in uh, in, in that quarter. So yeah, as, as you move into uh, 2018, with that still on track, if you look at the guidance for the first quarter, which these airlines have given, Delta's clearly going to have a better first quarter. Uh, so so yeah, you know it's it's uh, and and if anything, by the way, United um, is talking about a result of perhaps just above just about break even uh, in terms of its pre tax margin. For this quarter, uh, its operating margin will probably be a bit higher than that. Typically, um, now United is, is 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 a more seasonal airline in terms of its profit swings. Its first quarter does tend to be worse than other airlines. I went back and looked, and you know, United, you know, in the first quarter a year earlier, in the first quarter of 2017, for example, did much worse than American, but then went on to have a year that. Uh, Although it was worse than Americans, it wasn't as much worse as you would have expected from the first quarter. So, uh, you know, you don't want to focus too much on one quarter uh, when you have airlines with different sort of uh, uh, seasonal tendencies. But uh, broadly speaking, you know, if you just kind of look at how things are starting, uh, yeah, there's every reason to think that Delta will be comfortably in the lead, and certainly uh, at the outset, at least, American poised to. to probably do a bit better than United again. United, of course, is, is uh, very aggressively trying to change that fact.
1: Let's aggressively thank our sponsor. This episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge is sponsored by the Global Connected Aircraft Summit, which brings together the world's largest airlines and suppliers to discuss best practices in global connected solutions for the passenger, airline efficiency, and cutting-edge services. Visit GCA Summit. .com and use promo code Seth and you'll receive 10% off registration. That's GCASummit.com, promo code S-E-T-H. Southwest had a good fourth quarter, 14% operating profit margin. That's significantly better than Delta's 11%. And that 14% was just slightly worse than the 15% it saw a year earlier. For the full year, Southwest posted a 16% margin versus 19% for the full year in 2016. Not bad at all. And this happened despite a pretty terrible fuel situation Seth can you explain that and Southwest paid
0: a uh, 209 per gallon for fuel two dollars and9 cents per gallon uh, in the first, fourth quarter uh, that compared with about a dollar92 on average for the uh, the big three uh Southwest lost 70 million dollars on bad hedges in the quarter and uh oh, over 50, over 400 million. For, uh, for the full year. Uh, it was better than 2016, but that's still obviously a lot of money. If you could take back that $400 million, it would make uh, Southwest's uh, margin look even more impressive. Yeah, yeah, Uh, Southwest has kind of become uh, the outlier here and still uh, somewhat aggressively uh, hedging fuel. Uh, The other airlines, you know, American was the first to do it. It it, it was sort of a long held philosophy by American's management team dating back to uh, their U.S. Airways days. Uh, Basically, after the fuel spike into 2008 and then the collapse, they just uh, sort of threw their hands up and said, you know, we're an airline, not not a the fuel hedging firm, and um, you know, we'd rather deal with the vicissitudes of of oil markets than than basically buy very expensive insurance uh, for something that they felt they could they could better deal with in, in other ways. Uh, and in that regard, they generally, uh, well, if you look at what everybody else has done, it, the industry has kind of acknowledged that uh, they they were probably right. Um, you know, obviously, you leave yourself exposed if there's a, a very quick fuel spike, but um, you know, the rest of the time, you end up very often spending a lot of money that that uh, that that you wouldn't have to Otherwise, spend to you know to save not all that very much not not all that much on fuel. So uh, so anyway, so American did it first, and now if you look at uh, its peers, they've largely started doing that too. Uh, just also kind of throwing up their hands, just kind of tired of paying more than American for fuel year after year, and and, and Southwest you know hasn't done that to the extent that the others have, and so uh, you know even though fuel costs are are spot fuel prices are off their lows, uh, you know Southwest. Because it had these hedges locked in at you know, based on fuel prices a few years back, we all remember how expensive fuel had gotten uh, up through mid 2014. Southwest has been stuck uh, paying more for fuel still than it uh, than it previously had, and you know that's that's not the only issue it has. Um, you know, there's there's that competitive. Uh, uh situation in California where you know Southwest fighting a, a war on multiple fronts there so uh, it's system-wide yields actually dropped a bit uh, in the fourth quarter at a time when other airlines uh, saw those saw those rise so um, you know not all is right at Southwest but certainly when you're uh, when you have you know some of those issues and are still putting up the margins uh, like the ones that you cited Jason, I always have 14% for the, uh, for the quarter and uh, 16% for the year. Uh, you know, not, not a bad story at all.
1: Speaking of California competitors, Alaska's earnings were fine in the fourth quarter, 10% operating margin for the quarter, 17% for the year. But in Airline Weekly, we listed a lot of threats that Alaska is facing. I'm not used to hearing about that. After all, we're talking about an airline that posted a 25% margin for the full year as recently as 2016. Have things changed that much? Most people would like to have that
0: kind of a high-quality problem, right? Where you can, you can your margins can decline as much as Alaska's has, and still be among the more profitable airlines in the world. No longer uh, kind of right up there with Ryanair for. for you know, perhaps the most profitable in the world, um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's a, a lot has kind of caught up with them. Uh, you know, for a while they kind of seemed to just be able to weather any storm, um, and now you've got fuel costs up, labor costs up. A lot more competition. They've had some operational issues, uh, and oh yeah, they've had to swallow Virgin America. Um, you know that expensive acquisition uh, of an airline whose margins were uh, significantly lower uh, than than Alaska's going into it. So so you you knew right off the bat it would dilute Alaska but uh, turns out it's it's not easy integrating airlines um they're making good progress you know uh, in terms of you know, pretty soon there'll be a, a common cabin layout and all the rest of it they uh, mentioned costs um in the fourth quarter their operating costs were up 18% uh year over year on uh, just 10% more capacity and on the other hand their revenues on that same 10% capacity growth their revenues were up just six percent. So revenues didn't even keep pace with the uh, capacity growth. And keep in mind, this is an airline that operates in uh, just just um, in in markets that are doing extraordinarily well. Those West Coast markets, you know, San Francisco and Seattle, places like that. Um, so you you'd like to see revenue performance better than that at a time like this. Yeah, demand is great, but so is supply in those markets and uh, Alaska's feeling it.
1: Normally, when you think about JetBlue in the fourth quarter, you think about all those New Yorkers and Bostonians making warm weather trips to the Caribbean. But this year, in the wake of a particularly vicious hurricane season, the picture is less clear. How did JetBlue do?
0: Uh, they did well, all, all things considered. Uh, they Fourth quarter margin of eleven percent, uh, you know, not not bad in an off-peak quarter. Uh, so the hurricanes uh, dented their earnings by uh, uh, almost fifty million dollars, and 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 that was significant. That was less, by the way, than they expected. You uh, know, if anybody wants to go back and check the tape a few months ago, I think. Uh, we probably talked on the podcast of uh, I think they said oh maybe up to seventy million. So luckily that came in at the lower end of of their expectations. But still, if you add that back into uh, their operating profit, you would get a margin of thirteen and a half percent instead of uh, uh, instead of less than eleven percent, which uh, you know which would rank them toward the top of the industry. You know, just below Southwest for for perspective. Which as we said is is doing quite well. JetBlue has cost issues. Yeah, uh, higher fuel prices, of course, but uh, not only that. You know, and and and, and it, it it's all, probably only going to get worse when they sign a new pilot deal. You know, they 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 haven't signed their first collective bargaining agreement with their pilots yet. Uh that's coming. That'll cost more. They've actually lowered their aircraft utilization because of operational issues in their core markets. JetBlue, you know, uh, just just think of where they operate—places like the the New York JFK and elsewhere in the Northeast corridor—and so they're looking for cost savings. Maintenance, distribution, airport handling—you uh, know—costs from other suppliers, and uh, and and they're adding more A three twenty ones, which these larger aircraft can push down unit costs. Uh, and they're densifying their cabins. They won't be, you know, anything near an ultra low cost carrier kind of a density. But you know, when you go from 150 seats to 162 on on an A320, for example, it does uh, indeed lower your uh, your unit costs.
1: And now we come to a US airline that had a 16% operating margin in Q4 and a 17% margin for the year. Obviously, those are among the best results we mentioned on the show today. And yet, this was a bit of a downer simply because the same airline posted a 27% margin the year before. If you guessed that I'm talking about Allegiant. Congratulations. Seth, was Allegiant's 17% full-year margin considered glum news? By its standards, yeah. um,
0: You know, kind of like, I mean, very different airline, but like Alaska in that sense that, um, you know, it it, it declined significantly. Allegiant uh, declined more than Alaska. Uh, to be clear, um, from uh, from those those lofty heights, and um, look, you know, a, a lot's changing at Allegiant. I mean, it's it's this is an airline. It's not afraid to uh, to experiment. It's you know developing a resort in uh, Southwest Florida, you know, which has some investors uh, kind of concerned. Obviously, a uh, uh, well, it says it's not that big of a bet, but it's it's a uh, you know, it's something different from from anything that uh, most airlines do and uh, look a lot of its core markets it's it's sort of its heartland markets just aren't doing as well as they were a few years ago uh, you know during the oil boom there was all kinds of money being made in places like North Dakota uh, where you know Allegiant would collect people and you know take them down to Las Vegas to Gamble away the money that they made, or or uh, or to, uh, you know, to you know to Orlando to see Mickey Mouse and that sort of thing, and uh, you know th- those um, those markets are are doing worse than they had been doing, um, and so so yeah, so Allegiant has gone into uh, looking for new opportunities into into different kinds of markets. Of course, it tried the Hawaii flying several years ago. It's now uh, c- completely done with that, and uh, look, it's also had to deal with some 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 key departures. At at uh, at high levels of the organization, you know, it's, it's a couple of its executives are are, are now um, running or helping to run other airlines. So, um, you know, an airline that's that's uh, always been a a really incredible story in terms of, you know, you think of all the startup airlines that have come and gone and here's one that, uh, oh, what about 20 years old, you know, rose to the top of the profitability cha- uh, tables in the world, still doing very well, but feels like it's, it, it is kind of a, a potential pivot point here. W- you know Which way is it going to go? Is it going to, um, sort of pull itself together and get back to where, um, it was or, uh, you know, or are its very best days behind it, even if it's, uh, you know, Very likely going to be fine.
1: And our final airline of the day is so far the second best performer in the U.S. as measured by operating profit margin. Hawaiian Airlines posted a fifteen percent operating margin. Yeah, it's
0: doing very well. You know, this is an airline a a decade ago is bankrupt, and uh, so no, quite quite a story. And I I think probably some people around the world were were. uh, had to look twice when they saw this airline kind of rising up those uh, profitability tables. You know, 8% revenue growth and just 5% more ASM capacity. So uh, just a very strong revenue picture. You know, it, it, Hawaiian is exposed to some good markets. I mentioned before, it, we were talking about Alaska, you know, the US West Coast. Hawaiian has a lot of capacity there. Um, Japan, you know, routes to, to Australasia doing very well. Uh, and, and, you know, Strong premium demand. Yeah, you know, they get they get a lot of premium leisure demand. Uh, they did a good job selling their their extra legroom uh, seating product, kind of in between the uh, their uh, premium class and their and their economy class. Um, and so, yeah, everything uh, everything was working for them, and and rivals were growing only modestly, uh, and and that was. Helpful too for uh, for Hawaiian in terms of putting up those uh, extraordinarily strong numbers.
1: Looking ahead, uh, speaking of those rivals, Hawaiian might be facing some new competition. Should they be worried?
0: Yeah, I mean, in the end, this is supply and demand economics, right? And when you see United growing uh, as, as strongly as it is to Hawaii, but not only United, you know, Alaska, American, Southwest hasn't even started there yet, and they say they're coming, you know, low cost carriers from, from Asia. AirAsia X scoot,, you know, all in the ponds gonna be flying, oh yeah, A380s uh, to uh, uh, to Hawaii from Japan, right? So there's a lot of new capacity aimed at Hawaii. And, uh, you know, kind of like I mentioned with Alaska before, you know, sooner or later, to one degree or another, it, uh, it catches up with you. Um, but Hawaiian so far has done a, a good job adapting. And look, you know, on the other hand, I mean, from an optimistic perspective, I mean, those A321 NEOs have just started uh, flying uh, into, you know, into secondary markets. We're going to see a lot of them uh, uh, serving the, you know, Portland, Maui, Long Beach, Honolulu, those kinds of markets. Because it's based in Hawaii, you know, nobody else is going to be able to serve those markets um, as efficiently with, with uh, that kind of aircraft. So, um, uh, you know, bringing those in, facing out its old 767 seven three hundred. so, you know, just, just from a fleet perspective... It has a lot to look forward to uh, to to counter those those growing uh, competitive threats.
1: So, with the bulk of the U.S. carriers having reported earnings, were there any surprises, any takeaways as we close the book, so to speak, on 2017?
0: Yeah, well, um, look, Delta has maintained its lead. Uh, you know, we've had these moments in terms of the the. Talking in terms of the uh, the global uh, legacy airlines, obviously the its uh, uh, margins aren't as high as as uh, a few of the low cost carriers. But in terms of Delta, American, United, we've had these moments over the past uh, decade where you know you know when American kind of seemed to be nipping at Delta's heels or United. Um, but here after another year, United, Delta is is clearly the most profitable of the three. Surprises, I, I, you know, I'll go back to Alaska. Um, I guess now I'm surprised only because we had gotten used to them doing so well in the face of everything, right? Uh, especially Delta's big build up there. I mean, you thought, and that was you know before Virgin, before Alaska had the more diverse exposure that it has now, when it, you know just so many of its eggs were in that Seattle basket. And here you had. You know, big bad Delta building up capacity um, in Seattle, and you said, you know, how, you know, how can this not take a toll on Alaska? And and it seemed to just ha- have this armor that that could fend it all off. And so then you find, you just kind of got used to. Well, I guess they can just do this forever, and and so and then just when you got used to that, I guess I guess I'm only taken a little by surprise uh, because it it, it it seemed like it wasn't going to happen. And now finally, uh, much later. Uh, I think we see happening what maybe I thought would happen several years ago, which is uh, that all taking a toll on Alaska's margins, uh, of course, in the context that this is uh,
1: compared to most airlines around the world, still a, uh, a
0: very successful
1: airline. And with that, we'll close the books on this episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge. For Seth Kaplan, I'm Jason Cottrell. Thanks for spending some time with us.
0: This episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge was sponsored by the Global Connected Aircraft Summit. Visit GCASummit.com and use promo code SETH, and you'll receive 10% off registration. That's GCASummit.com, promo code S-E-T-H.